The Weekly Dish podcast is brought to you by Lakewinds Co-op in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. There's no membership required to shop at Lakewinds. All are welcome. Check out lakewinds.com, and if you can't make it to a Lakewinds, please visit your local food co-op in the neighborhood near you. Delicious local cucumbers from Seeds Farm, tomatoes, Harmony Valley greens, Featherstone kale, fresh herbs, and plenty more fresh vegetables are arriving at Lakewinds co-ops each day. Try brushing radicchio, kale, or romaine heads and cut lemons with olive oil and laying them on the grill for a light char. Then squeeze that grilled lemon on the lettuce and sprinkle with Parmesan cheese shreds for a fresh take on summer salads. Melons, stone fruits, and all the berries are arriving at Lake Winds for all the tarts, shortcakes, buckles, crisp galettes, and pies that make summer in Minnesota. Make sure to use the best organic grass-fed butter and cream from our local dairies when making homemade ice cream or whipped cream toppings. And the best part of all this is you can get it delivered from Instacart. Order online and get same-day or next-day delivery. There's no membership required to shop at Lake Winds, and you can support your local farmers by shopping at your neighborhood co-ops wherever they are. If you can't make it to Lakewinds, visit any of your neighborhood food co-ops, but you can find Lakewinds in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. Find more at lakewinds.com. I'm on with the My Talk Chicks and we will eat on, eat on the weekly dish. On my talk 1071, I'm Stephanie March. And I'm not. And you're not. You are <laughs> Stephanie Hansen. Stephanie Hansen with an E. <laughs> with an E. It was. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, you know, thanks for joining us this Saturday. And uh, we're here to talk about food, fun, and stuff. And second hour, we've got great things coming up ahead. We do. I'm going to quick do a taste test with you, Miss. Oh, we're going to start with a taste Mark. test. Yes, okay. Because I've been carrying these around for a while. Have you seen these? They're no. the Lesser Evil Organic Popcorn. No, and there's like a little monk dude on there. And the popcorn's really good. They have a Himalayan sea salt one that I really like. Yeah. But these were new. One is pink grapefruit, and the other one is lemon. I don't know. And I was like, that. why do you got to do that to popcorn? Yeah. But I Knowing I it. don't like to th- make sweet things out of my salty favorites. And I was like, this seems so weird, but maybe it's so wrong it's right. Like, okay. I don't know. So... You try the pink grapefruit. I'll try the lemon, and then we'll reverse. They're okay. organic, and ooh, the lemon bag smells good. There's still. A, I opened the pink grapefruit bag, and it's still like not overly. It's not a sugary smell, uh-uh. which is a good thing. Mm. Interesting. It's not. Oh, terrible. that's really interesting. Yeah, I would say that it is. Um, the pink grapefruit has a little, there's like the slightest sweet tang to it, but then it's just kind of tart. And it's pretty good. But I don't know. I don't know. The lemon one is, it's not bad. Here, I would eat switch. this and then keep eating. All right. Okay, mm. we switch bags. The pink grapefruit, it's pink. It's pink. The lemon is just regular. Okay, I can maybe get behind this. It doesn't linger. That's the other thing. It, and the pink grapefruit isn't really enough of anything to make me feel like Actually, I'd want to. I feel like the grapefruit is more than the lemon, but. But the lemon is good. 
Like, couldn't you see eating that entire bag in one sitting? I don't know. This is very strange. I liked it. It's kind of acidic. Yeah. Um, Pink grapefruit was, on a scale of one to five, five being great, a three. Like, just kind of a meh. Yeah. But I thought the lemon was a four. You did, huh? What about you? I would I would reverse that. I think I like the pink grapefruit more than I like the lemon. Because if there's going to be something there, I felt like the lemon was almost too light. It was almost too, like, what's happening here? Whereas I think the pink grapefruit had a little bit more, I don't know, like a little bit more tart to it. Okay. That's what I think. So now we know who's going home with which bag. Right. There <laughs> it is. All right. All right. Guess what? Time for top two in hour two. Give him the old one two. And now, the Weekly Dish presents... Top two, top two. The top two... Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two. All right, it's the time to show you guys where we talk about a couple of things we are sort of obsessed with for the week. Um, You want to go first? Yeah. Um, Do you ever, in the days of COVID, cough and like just feel like, oh my God, I just coughed, like I have a piece of popcorn stuck in my throat? Yeah. Okay. Ice cream novelties are a thing. Yeah. People are liking handheld. It's getting away from having someone scoop your ice cream, which some people oh. feel uncomfortable about. Oh, really? During COVID. Yeah. So. <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> I know. I uh, Unless they're doing it with their hands, I think I'm okay with it. <laughs> it ice cream is, the sales of ice cream are up like 27%. Mm-hmm. Have you mm-hmm. read that? Mm-hmm. Um, but our friend Ashley Olds at Sweet Science Ice Cream in Keg and Case they're not, the scoop shop isn't necessarily open um, for scooping, but they're selling novelties and they are setting up outside on days where it's not raining and selling outside. So they've got single ice cream cups. They've got a sorbet pop, which was really good. I had a mango one. But the thing I want to tell you about is the ice cream sandwich. Yeah. I love a good ice cream sandwich. It was a gluten free blondie was yeah. the base. And they were like these thick, salty kind of graham crackery texture and then inside was this banana ice cream and it had a salted caramel top okay so salt banana ice cream salted caramel top and bottom and then sandwich with the graham sauce yeah inside the cracker okay it was fantastic okay it was so good i like and it was frozen like solid like it was like an ice cream sandwich it was an ice cream sandwich and it was so good and i was like, okay, I might need to go get more of these. They were so good. And you could cut it with a knife so you could share it. Yep. It was delicious. Oh, good. So it's the banana salted caramel ice cream sandwich. I dig that. That sounds good to me. Ice cream. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, I feel like there's a couple other places. I know Travail had like a, one of their things, their dessert options was this really cool looking ice cream sandwich, which is just Why don't a we square. make those more? You know, I used to make them with like cookies, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I would do the like the chip witch or whatever you want to call it. Yum. But for me, it's like, and I'm still making ice cream here and there, but it's more of like, I don't want to bake something now. Right. That is going to, I don't want to bake anything. It's too hot. Um, so to make the base of it, but I do like having it be a brownie or a, like a blondie better than I like a cookie. Like I would rather have it be a bar. Okay. You know what I mean? That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I like a cookie too, but I, this texture of the bar mm -hmm. and with that layer of salted caramel. A brownie, a brownie situation with ice cream on top is a perfect thing. Yum. I know. Um, okay, so my first one, you guys, is going to be the Nixta Tortillas, which is, I know uh, Eater did a great piece on 
Gustavo Romero, and he has just launched his new shop in Northeast Minneapolis. And it's not a restaurant. It's never going to be a restaurant. It's um, it's a shop. You know what I mean? So he's making tortillas in the back, and they're putting together these meal kits that you can order. I picked mine up yesterday at 5 o'clock. You know, I went online, I ordered it, 55 bucks, and it was this great, it was a huge kit. I mean, it was a big old bag of, so I got like a, a green sauce, I got a huge container of refried beans, I've got, you know, a cabbage slaw, pickled onions, um, ceviche. This is my Tortillas, jam. and then I got a huge thing of, you know, green mole pork, and it was just, it was really good. And Yum. then tortillas and rice. So, like, you can make... Like, so I have all this, and last night I was like, well, I'm just going to make some tacos, you know, and you heat up the tortillas, and they're heirloom corn tortillas, and you heat them up, and then you just throw your stuff together. Everything is just reheatable, and you can, so now it's just in my fridge. Like, I can go back and grab a couple, or if I'd had a family feast, like if the boys were home, I would have been like, let's all dig in, however you want to do it. And the tortillas looked delicious. They're really, really, I mean, those are the, those corn tortillas that are so pliable, and so they just said, brush them with a little bit of water on both sides and put them on a hot pan and just warm them up, you know, and like flip it 20 seconds each side. And that was all you need to do to kind of give them just a little bit more appliancy. And it was great. A quick tip on tortillas too, that I forget about is you just put the corn tortilla right on your um, burner. Like yeah. no pan, just right. right on there. Right on there. And it gets a little char from yeah. the burner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually going to use them to make a quesadilla later, of course, because that's all I want to do is eat quesadillas. Now, but... let's talk about that because they're kind of softer. So yeah. will you have a layer of cheese down first and then put your tortilla in the middle and almost like fry it on an, and make like a cheese crust? No. Okay. Nope. You'll just go in with the cheese. I will do, yeah, I will I will do the tortilla flip flip and then I'll put that, that chihuahua cheese on there and then, you know, let that get kind of crisp and bubbly and melty and then slap another one on top and flip it. I've never met anyone that likes quesadillas as much as I you. I know. I don't either. I don't know why. It's not like I grew up with them ever, but I will eat, a, I could eat a quesadilla every single day. That's so funny. It's just the And they're delicious. Thing. I know. And I just can't like, and I'm not willing to do like the, you know, low moisture mozzarella. It has to be Monterey Jack or Chihuahua or quesadilla cheese. Like those are the only three things. What is quesadilla cheese? There's like, they, they sell it as quesadilla cheese. It's, okay. It's basically, um, I think it's just, I think it's the same as the Chihuahua cheese, you know, from yeah. that region. So, um, I, I love, love it. So Nixa is, it's Nixa Minneapolis, MPLS, just be aware. You can also order their tortillas, by the way, just their plain tortillas out of the Travail Marketplace or through Nixa. But they're kind of, they're swamped right now. And so they're basically just like, they're doing limited quantities. So if you feel like you, you missed the boat this week, get on the list for next week. Um, and then just be patient because they're still trying to work out some kinks. Yeah, it looked really delicious. I yeah. was super excited about it. Um... This is kind of a just general shout out. If you like rosé, I just think that the selection of rosé that is happening at Solo Vino on Selby Avenue in St. Paul is worth the drive for. Really? Um, it's my neighborhood kind of liquor store. So I've been going there more because I'm not out and about as much. Mm -hmm. And I just have yet to have a rosé from there. And I've probably had 30. <laughs> that is not really worth it really and just like worth going back for are you buying at all price points on your rosé buys i kind of do high high medium and low yeah. like i really kind of mix it up and i'm buying wine basically for about 10 people at our cabin every week so i'm just buying massive quantities of wine and 
you know, like I've I've gotten the Emily, which I love so much, but just like they have the um Compuge, they have the Tavel, they have just some really interesting Austrian roses. I just feel like every rose, I've never gotten a bad one. That's great. And I really just enjoy the way that they have the store laid out. There's a lot to pick from. If rose is your jam, just go get a case of wine there. There's you could get 12 different kinds and be happy with every single one. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Really have enjoyed shopping there. Um yeah, and it still is rose season. Like I'm happy yeah. happy happy about that. I did get a um what's that What's that duckhorn or what's that vineyard that's uh, that has the duck on it? Yeah, they're two. Du- is it duckhorn? I think it might be. I'll look. It's while not you... paradox, but it's uh, it's it might be duckhorn, which is not normally a rosé. Yeah, I've, a bot. It is a duckhorn. Yeah, it was, and it was slightly effervescent. It was delicious and lovely. I was very happy about that purchase. I never Sauvignon purchased them Blanc before. Is actually really Oof. good too. Yeah, I just was happy about that. Um, okay, my last one is actually the St. Michael Drive-In, which Fun. is the St. Michael movie theater, which was a big IMAX theater they built out, you know, out in the sticks. You know, if you're on your way up north, you would see it sometimes. Or if you're on your way to like the, the Albertville, you know, outlets, it, that's where it is. Um, they have changed and they have decided since no one's sitting inside anyway, they are, they've turned themselves into a drive-in. And they've installed this huge screen on the side of their building and you buy tickets to park and everything else. And I know that drive-ins are super popular right now, but a lot of them are far out, you know. So this one is not as far for the Wii subs for sure, but it's also on a direct highway and it is closer to the metro than like, you know, Starlight out in Litchfield, which right. is great. But um, so anyway, they have they have these things where you can buy, you know, you can go show up at eight o'clock. Movie starts at 10. You can park. They'll they're going to let you grill. They're going to let you like tailgate. And oh, so, I like it. I know. So that's basically like they want people to stay like in their spot, but they're OK if you like the kids are running around, you know, kind of a thing. But you're allowed to tailgate. And then if you can't, if they sell out of the parking lot spots, they do have an area that they've set up this patio area. They call it Le Bar. And you can buy a ticket park in an obstructed view and then bring your camp chairs and sit outside and watch the giant screen from the patio area. Oh, fun. I think this is a smart idea. I would love to save movie theaters like this, you know? I feel like that'd be a great place to bring the van. Uh, <laughs> it might be too big. <laughs> How many parking spots do you take up? It's just one. Really? It's a Class B van. Okay. It's tall, though. It's tall. Yeah, yeah you'd have like to be in the back row. <laughs> <laughs> you can stand in it. Right? I know. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, we got to go. That was a, We took over our time a little bit. So we are going to uh, come back and we're going to talk fermenting. Yes. So I said, we'll be right back. This is Weekly Dish. Hey, everybody. It's Steph March for Common Ground, Minnesota. You know what? Food brings out the passion in people. And people love to talk about food. And so why wouldn't we talk about the people and to the people who are growing our food? We have an opportunity, you guys. Common Ground, Minnesota on Facebook is a place where women farmers are able to answer your questions about the food scene and the way that they grow food. They are ready to engage. They just want to talk about how they grow food, what they think about why they grow food, and all the things that have to do with the way that your family is eating local foods and what they're growing. Remember that you always have an opportunity to check in and chat with farmers in Minnesota at Common Ground Minnesota. It's right on Facebook. It's on Instagram. You can check them out on Common Ground, M-I-N-N. They're ready to answer any and all of your questions. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. We're going to talk about fermenting because I made, I grew big cabbages. Mm -hmm. And I got very excited last summer about this book. And 
I'm going to tell you the name of the book. The woman that I followed on Instagram was uh, Fickle. Uh, her name is, oh, sorry, I'm on the wrong place here. Her name is, the cookbook is called Ferment Your Veggies Cookbook. Okay. And she has an Instagram page that is Fickle. Fickle Pickle? I-C-K-L-E. Yep. P-H-I-C-K-L-E. Yep. Fickle. <laughs> and she has this cookbook, Ferment Your Veggies Cookbook. Yep. And I had it, I got it last summer and I've been reading about it. And basically you can ferment almost anything. Her name is Amanda Pfeiffer. Um, She's just really does a great job. And the difference, because I didn't understand like the difference between fermenting and pickling. It is a different, I mean, like, and that's, it's cool to learn the process of it all. Yeah. Do you want that? Do you want the big fermenting book at all? Do you want to, maybe you need to start with this and then get into that whole Renee Redzepi fermenting book that I have. Oh yeah. yeah. Let me borrow it. It's, it's, it's like, you know, it's, it's like AP level fermenting. Okay. Cause maybe start with your fickling. See how I'm doing. Yeah. Because I have, um, fermenting is making something with, a chemical reaction that is achieved by salt. Yeah. And pickling is this reaction of an acid. So that's the difference. One is like you're using vinegar and salt or vinegar and sugar to kind of create this reaction. And the other one, you're just using water and salt or yeah. just salt. For, yeah. Fermenting is it. And it's also a time thing. You can't like ferment. You can quick pickle. You cannot quick, quick ferment. ferment. It yeah. is an actual process that needs to like develop, develop and evolve. And there's a lot of like pitfalls along the way, apparently. So this could all be just the first experiment of many. I had, I bought um, fermenting weights that go inside my mason jars and hold the vegetables down underneath the ferment, the water. Yeah. That's really important because you need to submerge your vegetables because if there are vegetables that escape or get up over the liquid they can um get like moldy yeah and yeasty and you can get like yeast on top which you can just scrape off and still eat apparently yeah these fermented foods are probiotic and apparently very good for you yeah and i came to i came to the love of um sauerkraut late i do like kimchi but i don't like all kimchis because sometimes the smell kind of can be too much for me before I eat it. But mm. if I don't smell it and I just eat it, then I like it. How about cheeses? Do you get that way with the stinky cheese? Yes. You can't like you won't you won't try it because it smells bad or it it gives me pause yeah. and I have a hard time separating it. Um, one quickly, just a note, just in what just that what you said about salt. Fermenting is actually more about sugars than it is salt because pickling you is is about acid. But when you say salt, it's the sugars that are eas- eating it. That's the process just because that was somebody yeah, that was just to say that because the, the, uh, they were saying salt is in both. That's not what you were saying. Go ahead. No, and I don't. I didn't put any sugar in the ferments. Right, it was just salt and water. Right, but it's that it's the sugars. You know what I mean? That are part of the process. Yes, and there's a lacto fermentation that happens, and it's a, a reaction that is happening that is pickling the vegetable, as it were. Yeah. Yep. So I ended up with you know the five pound zucchini, and yeah. I made the salad, but then I found another five pounder. And I was like, I'm going to try to make this into pickles. So I cut the zucchini into like planks and shoved them in the jar. And I'm fermenting those, which 
because I, you know, that could be good, a good zucchini pickle. I don't know. Yeah. Then I made just sauerkraut, shredded it thinly, and shoved it in the jar. I made a hot one with like a red pepper and um, red pepper flake and a chili, and then sealed that one. Then I did kind of a melange that was like some carrots because I had them, some onions, some zucchini in like thick chunks that I'm thinking will be kind of more of an Asian type of situation when it's done. Mm -hmm. Cause then you can serve it with sesame oil over the top or so I did that one. Then I did another just straight cabbage, just like sauerkraut, cabbage, salt. And I think I did, Oh, I did one that was also cabbage and peppers that I sliced the peppers into like rings and pushed them down. And so I made seven altogether the last one that I made, this woman that wrote this book said it's her favorite, but it's the hardest one to do, but it was with sugar snap peas. And she said they tend to get like um, fungusy on the top. Weird. Yeah, but but they become like pickles, like yeah. crunchy. Yeah, snap. I mean, yeah, there's somebody, somebody makes pickles, snappy pickles. Somebody like jars them and, and sells them. That's her recipe that she calls it snappy pickles. Yeah. So I made those with a little lemon zest. Yeah. And... I can already tell the like container looks a little funky yeah. and it's I that one's been going for about 5 days. So I have them in like my closet. Yeah, cuz you want it at the cabin. It's in a closet. Dark and they're in like a of plastic tub. Yeah. So that in case they spill and cuz it's kind of messy and they're dribbly and yeah. they're kind of gross. It is kind of yeah, that's why they bury it. You know the yep. kimchi stuff is like you're supposed to kind of because it is, it's it's this it's the natural process of the sugars and you know that acid from nature. We can keep talking about this, and I think they're going to stink. They are going to stink. Okay, but so in a good way. I'm a week in, and I will be able to check them coming up this week. And I'll I put some photos on my Instagram. I'll do pictures along the way. Yeah. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. We're just talking about the fact that my hot peppers are disappearing like worlds continually and i spray for rabbit and deer but i haven't but then they so like th that one area my hostas are toast hostas are gone it has been deer salad week for sure all <laughs> along the other sides of my house and i've sprayed the ones in the front so that it looks nice but all around the perimeter of my house on the other three sides just nubs Aww, just nubs that's too bad but in the way i don't care i'm not having people over yeah. you know what i mean like that's the other thing is i'm just sort of like eh have at it. Just leave me the front so that it looks like I have some curb appeal, for God's sake. Right, right. But the squirrels are totally, I think, killing my hot peppers. And I believe you're right when you said the only thing that, what did you say, the only thing that deters squirrels is other food. food. So I need to fill some feeders around my house with other things so that they don't come after my hot peppers. Yeah, they because they're not going to pick, well, likely they would pick a, a juicy nut over yeah. a hot pepper. But. Right. Um, so last week after the show, you guys, I popped off to the farmer's market. <gasps> I haven't been yet. And I it's like, so... this is the longest I've ever gone. I know. And it was really hot last week. Remember it was 90 and uh -huh. I was just like, Ugh. but I went, um, and I just, you know, I was just thinking, I was like, I was kind of in the mood for just to see what was there. And I thought I hadn't, I was thinking I was, I didn't know what I was going to cook that night. I knew I wanted to grill it, but I didn't know what it was going to be. Um, anyway, I ended up, well, first of all, I have to tell you that I had a Philly cheesesteak that was amazing. Yum. At Frank and Philly, which is a stand there. And it was the garlic chili cheese or the garlic cheesesteak with arugula and just cheese and beef. That's it. Yum. That's all I need. That was perfect. Um, but here's the thing that was sort of shocking. I took a picture that there is corn 
There is Minnesota sweet corn in the farmer's market. Wow. Did that surprise you? Uh-huh. It seems early. Everyone said that. I just, I was just sort of like, oh, hey, corn. You know, I, I, I didn't even, maybe because time is irrelevant now, you know? that's. I was scheduling something with someone and I was like, well, would you ever do something on a Sunday? She's like, Sunday, Monday, they're all the same. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just kind of weird. Did you use cash at the farmer's market? Because I might go tomorrow and is it like, am I supposed to bring credit card or cash? It's it's kind of what it same, always same. is. Yeah, there is there are three ATMs standing right there and they all have sanitizer right next to it. Okay. So I did actually use cash. I did get some and use cash, although I bought my sandwich with credit. So okay. I think you can do both. Um, But there was they had some really great deals, you know, like six years for a buck or whatever. Or maybe that's not it, but maybe it was five dollars or something. But there was a great deal on corn. I grabbed a bunch and I just grilled them up and I thought about it and I thought, well, God, if it's corn season for real, that means like that could be the next, <laughs> that could be the next sourdough for everybody. I think uh, Terry's on the line with a tip for your gardening. Oh, what's up, Terry? Hey, Irish spring deodorant soap on for rabbit and deer repellent. Really? So you shave it for the hostess and then for the deer, you put it in a knee-high stocking and put it on a pole Keep it at their set level, you'll never lose a plant. Oh my God. This is really good intel. Thank you, Terry. Thanks, Terry. I I love that. I know that's so easy, and it smells way better than the coyote urine that I have been spraying. (laughs) Can we be clear that that is a thing that is a punishing act? I literally sprayed it, you guys, before I left the house today because I was like, well, at least I'm not going to be here. And I sprayed it all over. And then, plus, you're like, I mean, coyotes. Coyote so. urine. Thank you, Terry. I will absolutely go buy some Irish Spring and do that because that is a hot tip. Um, all right. So as far as corn goes, I really believe that there is, uh, there is like corn. Our corn days are coming. You know what I mean? That they are literally coming and everyone is going to get into like the beauty and celebration of corn. So I was corn thinking about chowder. what do you do? I was going to say, what are some of the things besides elote? Because apparently elote is like the thing at the moment. I feel like I see it everywhere, like all over the place. We make corn chowder, corn cakes, corn fritters. Yeah. I do I a make... lot of corn salads. Like I do a lot of cooking a bunch of corn and then, you know, taking it off the cob and then putting it into salads. I do corn sautés with ginger, lime, turmeric, cumin, and cilantro. Yeah, that sounds onions. good. That sounds real good. My family would say that I make like great sauteed corn because I'm always making that. Do you sometimes like seriously sometimes like just doing a bunch of cobs and then pulling it off and then sauteing it with like basil and butter? That's it. That's half all I need. Yeah. You half a stick of butter. Lot, but yep. You know what's weird? Think about how much like we make corn like for Thanksgiving and stuff. The creamed corn. I would never make creamed corn in the summer. Me neither. And that's like a thing that I think a lot of people do. Like you make elote, which has like mayonnaise and everything else. But for some reason, I wouldn't make cream corn in the summer. Yeah. Maybe because it's hot. I don't know. That is interesting. I what I typically do is I'll buy a lot of corn and then I take it off the cob and freeze it in Ziploc bags because, you know, I have freezer (laughs) issues. But then you can have fresh corn in the winter. I, I mean, and honestly, because, yeah, you I'm already are winter panicking. Well, quite honestly, if I think about it, if I think about it now, I should be buying like in like two weeks, a big batch of Minnesota sweet corn and then grilling them like I like to and then taking them off the cob and freezing it so that I can use that for my Thanksgiving cream corn. Yeah. Like that's because we I do it every year and I buy little stupid bags of frozen corn. Why would, am I not just doing it myself? That's right. That's a really smart idea. Um, 
if you have a freezer. I know. Well, I have room time. in my freezer because I don't. I've eaten like I'm I'm getting down there. Like right. I'm starting to think about what animal I should have ordered that I didn't. Yeah, I know. That's the next one. Um, Do you ever make corn soup? Well, I make corn chowder. Oh, I suppose corn chowder. Okay. Yeah. But you never you don't do like a puree kind of thing or do you? No. Okay. No, but it sounds delicious. Either. So I saw this on New York Times cooking this corn risotto. Oh, I do do that. Do you do that? Yeah, we do. But here's what I love about this, you guys. They have a recipe for corn stock. Do you ever make stock with yeah, your corn? With the cor- cobs. With the cobs? Mm-hmm. Right. I have not done that. Just like it makes total sense. And I've done it with other vegetables. But for some reason, I was thinking about it in terms of, uh, you know, and it's really simple. Just corn, uh, you know, taking the, the cobs and then onions and carrots and celery and then just, you know, kind of soaking it and doing uh, maybe putting a leek in there, too. I think that's kind of smart. You can use it, too, as a base for lots of soups. Yeah. I think that's a Your really... veggie soup in the fall, you know, any kind of harvesty potatoy soup. Right. I think that's so smart. Bacon. I don't know why I haven't done that, but there I did use corn. Uh, I have done like the corn water, you know, where you like you kind of like press the corn and you get the I've never good, made corn water, the corn milk. Um, but I made ice cream out of it. And make sweet corn ice cream. That's how, remember, I feel like sweet corn ice cream was such a huge thing around here. With blueberries, people would serve it with like a blueberry sauce. Yeah, I feel like Sweet Science did that. And maybe when like we first started on the air, because you were really into ice cream then. Yeah, I think that was it. But I, there's definitely something about also soaking your corn, your sweet corn in milk. Like taking really good whole milk and then soaking the fresh, like smash up your kernels and throw that in the milk that I've used as a lighter essence to make ice cream like that. Yum. I know it's so good. Um, But there's other, I was going to say, does anybody thinking of you and all your stuff, does anybody pickle corn? Have you ever like those, those little baby ones that are in the. The baby Someone corns. I know is loves those, which crack me up. I know. She's like, I love everything miniature. Why wouldn't I love miniature corn? I know. Um, pickled corn is fantastic. Yeah. You just take it off the cobs and you can make like a chow chow or like some kind of a pickly dip. Yep. Or, you know, put it on anything really. Have you done corn fritters? Yes. Yes. And is that more like, is that more like doing like a cornmeal you know, muffin or thing, and then putting your corn, how do you do your fritters? Flour. You just do like kernels in baking powder. Yeah. And then corn and then fry them. Yeah. And they get like, they're not pancakes, but they're also not like muffiny. It's kind of somewhere in between. Yeah. And then I make zucchini fritters too, that are real flat, that almost like our pancakes that I use shredded zucchini, but then I'll make a corn relish for those. Well, that's a good idea. I do a lot of zucchini zucchini pancake or mm-hmm. you know yeah it kind of comes out to be pancakes even though i want them to be fritters i can't fry in my house at all you know during this time of year because it's just smells so mm-hmm. bad too i like it as like oil smell in my yep. house but i do love that idea of like putting like doing a zucchini and then doing um like a fresh cheese on top actually the fresh ricotta that i made p.s i know i haven't talked about that but the fresh ricotta that i made i made a whole pint of it and I have absolutely used it so much. Like, I thought I, I totally you, used it all. Because last weekend I made this goat cheese lemon goat cheese lemon thyme tart. Because yeah. you were talking yeah. about yeah. the lemon thyme. First of all, curry gold butter with the um, fresh milled flour from help me inside the food building. Uh oh! Are you talking Bakersfield? Yes. Yes. Oh my God! Was that the most wonderful dough I've ever made? Just oh, right. In texture and feel. Oh, perfect. 
and then I That's spread. Art, those are artisan oh, flour. Those sold. are heirloom grains. I spread goat cheese on it, and then I did concentric circles of zucchini. Yeah. But you could do that with ricotta, yeah. like your homemade. I was thinking about that because I was, uh, that ricotta that I made, which was just quick and easy, you guys, you can either do it with, you know, you can do it with buttermilk and milk, or you can do milk and cream with a little bit of rennet and citric salt, which you can buy those anywhere. I mean, like, that's not too hard to get. Um, but it's just about taking it up to like, you know, 110 degrees and then it separates and then that's all you have to do. And so, and like the inside of burrata, you know, is basically ricotta with a little bit of Uh cream. So I just took that ricotta, I whipped some cream into it, you know, and then, or I stirred it in there and salted it, peppered it. And then that was what I used on like as a base for everything. I mean, I put it on top of my burgers that I was eating. Yum. Yeah, no. I mean like the ricotta, it's like one, and also it's like, you know, your stove is on for what maybe 20 minutes like yeah. 30 minutes that's it and then you get this beautiful and it's a huge thing of it that you can easily just use in your fridge for a while crackers it's so much better than the actually buying ricotta i mean i feel a like nothing better i feel like there's no ricotta on the shores you know how sometimes shelf. you make something and just the grief to dollar ratio is like wah, wah. yeah ricotta is not that no it is the exact opposite of that and i will put up a direct recipe for people who need to get a little bit more because i know that that's people will send us messages about that and i haven't done that i have been meaning to put up my easy ricotta ideas so that um, i did it last year because you were so inspired cheesemaker and it was amazing you know what you guys if you need a bit of magic there's something magic about like putting milk and liquids in a pot turning the heat on and then all of a sudden watching like the curd and the whey separate. And then you're like, that's just food magic. That's like fermenting is food magic. And sometimes you need a miracle. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. You guys, when we come back, uh, you know, we're going to wrap it up. Stuff. Stuff. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. It's been a fun day. We had a lot of good food talk. We didn't. could have, have you, done without eating an entire bag of lemon popcorn. I was going to say, I think you just ate all the popcorn. I right? did. Mm-hmm. That's all right. I, that is my, like, I cannot control myself around popcorn. Really? Uh-uh. It is like you, a weakness. Uh, I put, I got some of the popcorn with a Nixta meal box. You know, they put a little cute bag of white popped corn in there just as like a treat. And I put it on my tacos and I was like, oh, this, I'm going to do that now. Like I just, the crunch on I top bet it tastes of the delicious. pork and the mole and the, it was like, why have I never put popcorn on my, not on my tacos? It was genius. I've been reduced to, like, if I go into the quick trip when I'm driving to the cabin and I need a quick snack, I'll get a bag of popcorn. I used to get, like, the big bag. Like, now I have to get the smallest bag I can find because I have no self-control. Right. Right. Well, at least popcorn is less. It's a whole grain. Should we pretend? It's a whole grain. (laughs) Whatever. It's a whole grain. Um, hey, letting you guys know that it, there are still two days. The today is the last day of Restaurant Week. If you want to go and uh, you know get stuff, actually, there might be some tomorrow too. I think it goes through the weekend. You had some good ones this week. Takeout to lift up. Yeah, I did. Uh, well, I did Copper Cow, which that is out in Minnetonka, which was a great fried chicken sandwich, like a really big hunk of chicken on there, mm-hmm. and then there was like a whole bunch of cauliflower bites. And, you know, and I had a little sweet chili dipping sauce and uh, those were crispy good. And then a big chocolate shake. I was happy with the $25 dinner. You know, I thought that was pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Darisha was on a tear. He did a bunch of ones, too. He went to Soul Bowl. He went to Pig Ate My Pizza. 
that kind of stuff. So there I was did revival, but I didn't. They're not in. It they it weren't on restaurant. It's week, not so. a part of restaurant. I was like, week. I'm the only one I know who goes to get takeout during restaurant week and doesn't do doesn't restaurant do week. the actual restaurant. Well, you know, in the end, it's about supporting the ones you know supporting anybody. So sure. I mean, I was happy about that, um, and that's for sure. Uh, letting you also know that um, uh, the little blue food truck. Blue Plate's new little food truck is hanging out uh, today at Forgotten Star Brewing up in Fridley, which is a really great little brewery, which, I mean, sadly opened right before all the stuff. Yeah. And then sort of has been, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how they're doing, but I, I thought they were, I thought it was a gorgeous building that they saved and redid. So, and they're right by train tracks. And I know that they had, you know, like a patio situation where people were kind of hanging out watching the trains who roll by, which is kind of fun. I know there are people who love trains. My like, husband. Yeah. And like want to go train watching. And when we're like in a campground, if there's a train whistle near or we're by the tracks, he's so happy. Yeah. He like stops and listens. Yep. He's just, he used to hop the freights. Yeah. And strap himself on with his belt between two cars. And that would be how he would see the country. And as a college kid, have I not ever told you this? I don't know if I know that. Yeah. Hobo Kurt is Hobo kind Kurt. of a thing. That's crazy. Yeah. Like that is. feels like that's like a thing that maybe like someone did on a weekend by this, you in know, seventies. Yeah. That's how old That's he how is. you do it. Oh my God. Yep. That's crazy. Um, what else is going on? So besides, we haven't really talked about the fact that Popova is gone. Oh, I know. And we probably should have a moment to pour one out. That was a really delicious restaurant. It was. And I think, again, when we're talking about Mexican food and, you know, it feels like everybody wants to open a Mexican restaurant or do something. And that's because it is because people love it. And it is a popular, you know, and, and it is the thing about the Mexican cuisine. It is so varied. It is huge. It is you know, the country is like one of the great cuisines. It's designated as a as a, uh, a heritage monument in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's interesting that he was doing, you know, Jose was cooking stuff that was boundary pushing for us in the north, especially and in town. We didn't have fine dining Mexican. We've never had it. So that was, you know, the moment that they showed up and was like, let's see if we can do tasting menus with all these beautiful moles and flavors and everything. And the wines, too. The wines, like that wine program was literally mm-hmm. one of the things that. It was very unique. It's almost like, you know, what we had with, what we do have with Kadonomisa and the Japanese Kaiseki and that beautiful expression of that. We have plenty of strip mall sushi around, but we only have one Kadonomisa, right? right? And so that's why I feel like we have so many great taco shops and so many great, you know, Mexican places, you know, and, and cantinas and all that stuff. And I love that, that but I'm but I'm sad that that piece is gone. Will it be something else or will it yeah, just they're be? Yeah, they're keeping the space. And so they're trying to noodle what to do with it next. Uh-huh. So I have a feeling that they're going to come out with something really kind of accessible and fun. I know that that neighborhood is is maybe not necessarily, you know, they were getting their destination weekend stuff there, but they weren't filling up on Tuesday, Wednesdays. And I think that model for sure in the future has to change because restaurants can't afford to just be destination places anymore. And fast casual and casual and pick up curbside really is going to be the next two years to three years for us. Yeah, I think we have to, I think that there's small bits of fine dining that can be found. Um, I think, you know, I went to the rooftop at Travail mm-hmm. and did the cantina there. And that is not necessarily a cantina as much as it is, you know, um, 
Mike uh, Brown, whose mom is Mexican, sort of falling, you know, pulling his flavors from things that she did and putting him into, you know, kind of cool forward thinking dishes like they do at Travail. And I think he I think that to me is as close. And that's the kind of fine dining, which is still just sitting on a patio and and someone bringing you these really exquisite plates. But it's 90 minutes tops and Mm -hmm. it's not like hanging out with a bunch of people it's just you and another person or you and two other people and you have your things and then you're done it's they're, just different it's gonna be different yeah they're kind of doing that at hyacinth too a three yeah. course sixty dollars i think is the price point smaller group well and like demi you know what uh-huh. i mean demi is the way it's gonna go because he can only put 12 people in that place and so that's what's going to be interesting about thinking about how do you you know because fine dining the thing about it is that food has to be it's technique driven so you not only have to be able to like have the money to pay for the ingredients that you're trying to do but you're it's more the labor it's the people and the staff who are the kitchen. The, yeah who yeah. are cooking it for the prep work alone for that kind of stuff is like you don't get those little brunois amazing tiny small pieces of apple you know from someone who just whips through it or right. a machine so having the skills and then paying for the time that it takes, that's what drives prices of fine dining. And the hard part is, A, finding the staff, and B, you know, putting that many people together in one spot. So I think that's where we're going to find, like Travail, it's the actual owner chefs who are doing the cooking right now. Mm-hmm. So that's where you're going to find that piece. So same with Demi. Smaller, so that has to be small scale. Same with Hyacinth, actually. Yeah, totally. Ricky is in the back. Yeah. Or Tenant. Yeah. So this is all, so fine dining is going to go very micro, very small. You know, uh, Jamie and uh, Nikki announced for Grand Cafe that they were going to do a patio party next Friday with all this beautiful French food. Well, I mean, it was like, it's a patio party of like maybe 10 or 11 people. That's sold out. It's already gone. (laughs) But, you know, that's the thing is like, it can't, we're not going to find, we're not, everybody's going to be able to go in for this or you'll be lucky enough to grab a piece of it you know, one at a time. Right. But I think the days of having more than like 50 people in a place like that kind of thing is not happening. So there you go with that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Last one on the weird side of things. Allie's Deli is closed. And Allie's Deli was a downtown uh, favorite lunch spot of all of the downtown workers. And it's just that's the other side. Mom and pop shops in Minneapolis are having are disappearing. So yeah. But with Sad. that, I will let you know that I'm hanging out and talking with uh, with Allie Kaplan next. So I'm sticking around. You are doing going out and eating the going up north? Yeah, I'm going to the Institute of Arts today. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll report back on that next week. Okay, we'll see you every next week, you guys. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.